0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. (laughs) It's Kara. And Jess. We've come to the end of our second season. Well, y'all, I almost can't believe I'm saying that.
1: Yeah, it's wild. And,
0: and one that was fully remote and in two time zones for 90% of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. We really stuck it out. But it's crazy to think how the episodes from these COVID days are sort of like a time capsule, right? Like chronicling mm-hmm. this surreal moment in our world with so much changing along the way. We thank you for listening and love to hear how these conversations helped you not feel so alone during this time. You helped us as well.
1: Truly. Our worlds were upended and this has gone on so long. Mm. Knowing that you, our listeners were feeling seen, heard, comforted, and inspired meant everything to Jess and I personally. I mean, we needed that connection too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. We are so appreciative of all the support you've given us, the downloads, messages, and shares on social media. Thank you.
1: As you all know, the theater industry is on the verge of coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, And we can't wait to shift back to our old lives. However, we also have some awesome new plans for the future, but we can't make it happen without you. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, give us a shout out, connect with us on Instagram, and most importantly, make sure you follow, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. That is truly how we spread the word and find others who are in need of connection too.
0: Yeah. The motherhood journey is one that no one should ever embark on alone. And we want to continue to provide thought-provoking, inspirational, comforting, and entertaining stories for you and your village. Thank you so much. Stay safe, stay sane,
1: and and we'll we'll see see you you soon. soon. (laughs) Hi everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the season finale of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Kara Cooper. And
0: I'm Jessica Rush. Broadway dancer turned fitness guru, today's guest has endured unspeakable loss on a very public stage. Her husband's battle and eventual passing due to COVID-19 became a national tragedy through which people rallied and mourned the immense loss our world has faced through this pandemic.
1: In addition to running a fitness empire, co-hosting The Talk, and raising her adorable two-year-old as a single mom, she just released a memoir titled Live Your Life, her husband's original song that she made popular when people all over the world came together daily to sing it. It has since become an anthem of sorts, not only in how you face loss, but how we make the most of every moment we have. Here is our conversation with Amanda
2: Klutz. welcome amanda you guys it's so nice to talk to you and see your faces again it's been too long it's really wild i mean i was telling Jess, I, like
1: 2002 is when we met i think oh my god yes it was past like a lifetime mm-hmm. a lifetime mm-hmm. um well the thing that we always we start our podcast uh is by asking our guests about their kids so, I mean, we know a lot about Elvis from Instagram, um, but we... I don't share uh,
2: anything. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> tell us a little bit about him and, you know, his personality, whatever you want to say. We just want to get to know him.
2: Do you know what's so funny, you guys? I remember when I was pregnant and Nick, you know, never too much of a fan of how much I spent t- on time on Instagram. And he was like, so, you know, when Elvis is born, like, we're not going to put him on Instagram a lot. Right. And I was like, no, we're not. I was like, I know. I was like, I'm going to be really good about that. Like I, I've tried to just really like share fitness stuff now anyways. And like, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I don't want to be that person. Cut to, <laughs> <laughs> Cut to I'm like, Good morning. Musical mornings. He's eating breakfast. He's, he's, looking, he's playing on a bike. Um, oh, but yeah. the musical
0: mornings are like the sweetest thing. I mean, that's no. the you've been doing them for so long, that it's you since, know. You,
2: since the hospital, you guys. I realized that last year on his first birthday, when I looked back, I was like, oh, my gosh, I started this in the hospital Um He's great though. He just turned two. And as you both know, I mean, I'm sure you're both going to tell me just wait, it gets better. But I seriously feel like this, like 18 months to this time, has been my favorite time with him. I'm obsessed because he's still this baby who cuddles with me, but he also is his own little person and is starting to copy things (laughs) I'm saying and repeat and talk to me. And I'm just like, what is happening? And he's now looking at me like, mom, I got it. And I'm like, no, you don't. You're too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't got it. But, um, God, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with my son. If you can't tell.
1: Well, we were just talking about like their little voice at this age, yes. the like, little voice that comes, it's, it's the most precious thing. And you're just going to love having all those videos to look back on. And oh. that's the thing about Instagram too. It's like, they are our pride and joy. Like there is nothing I am more proud of than my kids. There's just nothing. Yeah. So it's yeah. so hard not to want to share that with the world. Right. right.
2: And the minute they come out of you, however they come out of you, you're like, oh, nothing else in the world matters. Like all of, it's like that split second of like, I don't care about anything else. Like nothing. Else, my whole life has changed. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: No, it's yeah. the most wild thing. I have to say, Kara just said yesterday that that age was her favorite. We literally yeah. just, just talking we about this. Just ah! and it, my favorite is about three is right around. I like that sweet spot, but. Oh, it's so good. And then it just becomes even more crazy like as you see them develop into their own people and oh my God, Amanda, just wait. It's like, it's mind blowing. You keep, I still, I mean, I'm looking at Elliot like you came out of my body. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. Eric will say that, you know, Eric will be like, you grew her. You remember that? She was, <laughs> I, that that like teenager was in your body. Oh it's my God. It's yeah. totally wild. Yeah,
1: I was babysitting a newborn like month and a half old today and I was holding her and I was like, I don't, how, what? I can't believe that this is what my babies were. You know, it's just, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, We're going to, we're going to jump right in. And if it's too soon, yeah. you tell us, but we, we both have read the book. I am almost finished. Just finished. finished um, about an and, hour ago. Yeah. She texted Aww. me. She's like, I finished. Um <laughs> but it was thing, so beautiful amanda so i just beautiful. want to say that thank you it's so be- i think we just want to talk about the thing that struck me from the get go is that you know we live in this instagram perfect world right and you were so beautifully honest and and open about how everything wasn't perfect. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. every relationship has its ups and its downs. It doesn't mean that we love the person any less. It doesn't mean that the marriage has any less meaning. Um, And I think that that was just so powerful for anybody who has followed your journey. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, chances are, they joined you when you were were already in this really kind of painful, traumatic part of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I've I've been following you on Instagram for years, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so it was really eye opening for me too, as like a entrepreneur and a business person, to see how hard things were, you know, how hard you worked to get to where you needed to go. And so just kind of rounding out the picture of who you were. What your relationship mm-hmm. was, all the steps that got you to where you became—I mean, you are a famous person now. You no. are a person who is in the. I mean, you are. There's no Wait. denying it, right? You are a it's celebrity. Crazy. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you are. <laughs> just—I love how you said it. You are a famous person. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I know. Um, you know, it's so weird, you guys, and I—I I realized this when I wrote the book, I, th- I think I realized with the, when I wrote this book, um, y- you're right. Like when I, when Nick got sick, I had 50,000 Instagram followers, which to me was a lot of followers. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I felt very proud of that following and it was mostly due to the fitness company that I had created for all of it to the fitness company I created. Um, so yeah, I gained like half a million, instagram followers in that time so you're right they didn't they only know me as that person um unless you did a deep dive on my life you didn't necessarily know that i was you know a struggling actor dancer you know living in new york city what my life was which is totally fine i didn't expect anyone to like you know deep dive into who i was Um, But this book was a chance to tell our story, to tell who I was, to tell who Nick was, because I realized in going back in my Instagram archives and writing this story, you know, you have all these people praying for you, supporting you, cheering you on, singing with you at 3 p.m., invested in your story, invested in Nick and Amanda. And it was like, do you know who Nick and Amanda are? Do you want to know our story? And so Anna and I had this chance to kind of weave in who we are, how we met you know, who we were individually, who we were as a couple. And yeah, like we aren't perfect. Nobody is. I am not a perfect person. Nick was not a perfect person. Our marriage was not perfect, but um, but that's what makes you strong, you know? Of course. I think I was
0: so... I had no idea because I feel like when you started AK Fitness, um, when you started the jump roping workouts, I, I it felt like it took off right away do you know what I mean? Like when I think back on that time, I just remember being like, oh my God, I remember Eric saying, he's like, well, Amanda's starting this like jump rope thing. Nick said she's like doing this fitness and, you know, and I, and then, and then you were, and then on your Instagram, I was following you and it looked like it was, fabulous and going great, you know, and you say in the book, like it was not, sometimes I had like one person there. I made it look like it was great. And so I think to just hear that side is so important, no matter what our journeys are to hear from people who are successful. And that's something that, you know, aside from Nick and the journey of the pandemic, you as a woman and as a mother, you have created something. I mean, before you became a mom, but you um, have built this, this Not just the COVID wake up Nick community, but the Mm -hmm. community of people who are looking to you to stay in shape and who follow you as inspiration and who's who look forward to seeing your smiling face on the workouts every week, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that is something that is to be applauded to build anything from the ground up is is hard. It's really (laughs) it's really hard. It is. Thank you. And so I just hats off to you, girl, because I remember in the beginning, although I thought it came a lot easier. So it was one of those moments where I was like, oh okay, like you said, fake it till you make it. That's what you're yeah you
2: gotta yeah you do. And it's so funny because I think that's a great example of how Instagram can make things look like it's perfect and wow everything just came so easy for that person and she has the perfect life and Yeah. You don't know that they're waking up at 6am, traveling all over the city all day, doing 12 workouts. And then in a day, you can't move your body at night. You can barely walk the next morning, but you do it again because you're building your business. And if you're not doing it, nobody else is, you know? Um, Yeah. yeah, But, you know, we know that story. I mean, you can, it it looks like, you know, if you work on Broadway long enough, it's like, oh, they're always working. And it's like, (laughs) No, I actually, I, I haven't been in a Broadway show in two years, but wow, I'm glad that you think that I have. <laughs> that's good. You know what I mean? Like it just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny what, um, well, what I guess social media persona can put on and then what, what is actually happening, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that's what the pandemic did though, in a way, like the pandemic got rid of perfection. Like nobody wanted to see that anymore. You know what I mean? It was like, Put away your fancy clothes and jewels and like, n- no, no one's trying to act like, you know, it was almost embarrassing if you posted anything that looked extravagant at, during that time. Nobody yeah. was in for that boat. Like everybody's no. like, Bye. You know, yeah. yeah. It I was mean about it,
0: honesty. Exactly. Yeah. It was about yeah. honesty. And then and I think even when the, you had good honesty, people were like hesitant to show it. And then it became a place where you were like, we have to hold space for both, right? The,
2: yes, the good right. and
0: the bad. Um Correct. and yeah. you talk about that a lot, like in your book with Elvis, you know, and that's something, you know, Kara and I specifically wanted to talk to you about being a mom and your journey. And and you say in the book, you know, and we all know how this is. When you're mom, you just have to like put on your face and keep going and you try to protect your kids. And that's something we all were doing this year, just in general, you know, um, is is help them not get mired down in what was happening and know the gravity of it all, um, particularly when they're small. But um, how, well, I know how you did it because of the book, but Elvis, he's been thriving, it seems like, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: like I was so touched by what you wrote about Anna And Biggie being there.
2: (laughs) I feel like we all just know. (laughs) (laughs) He's so funny. He's in LA and, and, uh, and he's like, people are calling me Biggie. He's like, it's so weird to be called Biggie by other people that aren't you guys. And we're like, really bigs? And he's like, yeah, he's like, everyone's calling me Biggie now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's true, but to have
0: them and know, you know, that it was, you know, to know that you could leave Elvis with them and that he was loved and taken care of as closely as if it were you or Nick. Like there was no one takes care of your child better than you do, except for maybe their grandparents or their aunts, Mm -hmm. you know, the ones who love them dearly. And um, to have had the family there and and see how they were able to just keep him. I, I love the moment in the book when all of a sudden Anna has won him over. Yeah,
2: (laughs) it did. It was, it was so cute. And then they were like bosom buddies. I mean, she literally became his second mother and, um, and she was just the greatest. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done without the two of them, not only for just keeping my spirits up, but for really stepping in and becoming second mom and dad, you know, because just to have that male role model too, for uh, male energy for Elvis at that time, you know, um, looking back was so important for that little guy. But you know, you guys listen, I mean, you know, this too, even if you're having just like the worst day ever. And then that little person comes up to you and is like, mama, trash trucks. And you're like, that's right. Let's uh, that's right. Trash trucks. Here we go. And then they were, they they're watching trash trucks and their face lights up and you look down you're like, <laughs> <so> you think, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you can't help, but not smile. I mean, Leslie, it's written in the book, but Leslie Nick's mom, she said, don't worry. He'll make you smile every day. He'll make you yeah. get up out of bed. You'll have to, and thank God for him because he'll make you, he'll make you keep walking forward. And she was right. There was yeah. no, there was no option.
1: Yeah. There was no, you. the immense pain that you were feeling, you couldn't just stay and wallow in bed. Like there, Mm-mm. there was no option to do that. Zero. No,
2: they make yeah. you put
1: one foot in front of the other no matter mm-hmm.
0: what.
1: Yeah. Um, and you, so now things have like shifted a little bit. Obviously, you have this job on the talk. You are, you wrote a book. You're doing a book tour. You're incredibly busy. And you talked about this a little bit on the talk, but you talked about how hard it is to be a single mom, a working mom, a mother who's still grieving, a mother who has to get help from other places and has immense guilt, not being with their child. And that's something that we talk about a lot, this like push and pull of being a mom, but also being a professional. And, Mm. you know, you are in an even more intense version of that, but can you talk a little bit about how that goes for you? You talked a little bit about the struggle, but that's -hmm. something that we're here for. That's what we talk about all the time. Yeah.
2: Well and it's hard too when you have led a career for so long where it is a it is like all about you know yourself in a way i don't mean in a bad way but like you know, uh, being you know a performer on Broadway, like it is very much like you do the work and you get the job, and it's very self rewarding, and 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 we love that, right? Like I love working; I really enjoy working hard and creating things and achieving goals and all of those things. But then I also really love being a mom, Um, and of course, be- spending that time with Elvis and being there with Elvis. But then you have the extra hard level of being a single parent and knowing that you know, all the financial responsibilities and everything that you want him to have in life that you want to have with your child in life is on you. Um, and that adds obviously that extra pressure of wanting to work harder and achieve, but then that cancels out time with him. Um, and so it is, it's really, it's a tough balance. And one of my single moms, uh, new friends that I met here, just over Instagram. Actually, we've actually never met, <laughs> but we're really good friends on Instagram. Um, and we were commiserating over being single parents and she was saying how hard it is because nobody sees, and this is, I said this on the talk, but it's so hard. It's like, nobody sees the times where you're just like, carrying five things of groceries and you have your kid on your hand and you're singing wheels on the bus and you haven't eaten all day. You've barely, you know, you've barely gotten anything done, but you're like, so you want to scream and but you're still making everything happen. And you just wish you had your person there just to, you know, lighten the load or pat yourself on the back or give you a hug and be like, honey, you're killing it. You know, no one, no one tells you that. And it's, and it's okay. You know, you get to a point where like, it's okay. I don't need to be told I'm killing it. But, um, you know, you miss having that person that is there too, witnessing it saying, damn, you're doing a good job, you know? Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's tough guys. It's, I'm not going to lie. It's tough.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just purely too, from just a logistical standpoint, like managing, waking up and getting, you know, shooting the talk, you know, you have to get to work. You have to do that. I mean, like we know, you know, making, making this happen right now, you were like from three to whatever. And then I have to go home to Elvis. Do you know what I mean? It's true though. It's like, that is, and it was so, it was so lovely to, to, and we appreciated that. And we're like, yes, of course she has to go home to Elvis. Like you clearly prioritize your boy you know, yeah. and you should, and that's the way. And it sounds like you're really, I think you're nailing it, mama. Like oh, you're having a healthy balance of working and fulfilling yourself and also just, you know, making money and things like that, because that's important. But, yeah. but also you get, you know, you're making sure that you go home and your are mama and that's, yeah.
1: I think it's also probably as you were talking about, like having that person to say, you're doing, you're killing it. I think it probably is also hard not have the person to say like today was really hard. It was hard to be a parent today. You know, like sometimes I need validation from my husband to be like, You know, today was hard, but we got through it, you know? And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just so good to be able to articulate that and not have the guilt attached to it, you know, to be like, oh,
2: this is hard. I shouldn't be saying it's hard. It's all I ever wanted,
1: but this is hard, you know?
2: Yeah. No, you're right. Actually, I never thought of that moment, but you're right. Like that moment where you put the kid to bed and then you get a glass of wine and you sit down and you're like, (laughs) "Woo!"
0: (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah. And there and your person's like, how good does this wine taste? And it's yeah. like, good. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: We're gonna take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: Continue to marvel at you. I always have. It's funny. I remember someone asking me about you. I can't remember who it was, but they're like, is she really just happy. Like, is that just, no, but she, they were, they were saying that can't be real. And I was like, no, that really is who she is. She is an incredibly positive, optimistic person. It's totally genuine. That is who you are. Um, which I think also it was so made it even harder to see everything that you've gone through, but the way that you have faced with grace, what you have cards you've been dealt, what has happened to you over the past year is truly astonishing. And the thing that I keep going back to is this path that you're on, the book, all of it is so deeply rooted to the tragedy that you have endured. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do I articulate this? I mean, how do you have, I mean, you just did, you did all these book interviews and here you are talking about it again, but like, how do you continue to talk about the thing over and over again, to write the book, to deal with your grief head on, record it and, and be in such a public space. Like how, Mm -hmm. how do you do it? I know you're incredible. I know you, I know who you are and you are an incredible human and your optimism and light and positivity, but that doesn't take away from the incredible things that have happened to you this year. So how are you?
2: You know, um, well writing i'll just start with like writing the book writing the book was never something i thought you know what i would do um you know while the story was happening or while while everything was happening with nick you guys like there were so many oh my god people that reached out can we follow you around can we do a documentary can we make us a film can we do the like in the midst of it like Mm -hmm. i was like what No, like, I mean, first of all, it was hard enough for me to get in the hospital. You think a a whole film crew is going to be allowed? And then like, you really think I'm going to allow a camera to be on my husband right now without his consent and the way like he looks right now in the hospital. I mean- Nobody looks good in the hospital, even if you're going in just to get blood work. yet nobody looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so when i when I got the offer to do the book, and then I you know i I got Anna on board, the book was just therapeutic t- t- to be honest, to write it down. I knew I needed to write things down for for Elvis, first of all, so that I could remember things, how they were the dates they were because I can imagine him coming to me one day being like wanting to know the story. If, and if I didn't write it down, even if this book offer didn't come through, I would have, I mean, I was writing him letters throughout the whole thing. I was, I was trying to keep you know, track of everything that happened because I, I wanted to document it for him. So this book was in a way, a beautiful way to just do that in a great um, storytelling way but it was extremely therapeutic really cathartic to just kind of get it out I, so hard doing the audiobook was harder because when you're writing you're not saying it right you're just writing it and i was writing through tears every night but then having to vocalize it and um you know we're performers so i was per- not performing it but also not not performing it you know what i mean it's hard not to put on your actor <laughs> behind you when you're reading this story. Um, so that was, yes, very, very tough. But it's funny, Kara, because when you were asking me this question, I thought for the first time, maybe it's because of what we do, of that like mm. uh, we get up every night and we do a show. And sometimes that show is 42nd Street. And sometimes that show is, you know, um, you know, uh you know, something lame is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've always, I would never be cast in Lame Is, but <laughs> I would, I would love to be cast in Lame Is. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's Lame Is and sometimes it's really tough, you know, or it's Follies. You know, I did Follies. That's a, a, a drastic turn from 42nd Street. Um, And we do it every night, twice a week, you know, tw- sometimes twice in a day. You, you know what I mean? Um, so maybe it's like it just ingrained in myself to like, um, be able to just do it. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe Sometimes, compartmentalize
0: it a little bit. Like it's, yeah, you've done it sure. and you, you emote it and you got it, all, you, you released all the emotion while you're writing it. And now you've sort of compartmentalized it to a new space. You know, yeah.
2: it's it, it yes, and it goes in and out of that compartmentalizing. And I'm very good at compartmentalizing my life. Um, you know, like I, I do my stuff with Elvis in the morning, slide it to the left. I come to the talk, that's finished, slide to the left. I go home, I film a fitness video, done. Then I have Elvis dinner. Done. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how I do my days, and mm-hmm. that's always how I've done my days. So um, I don't know, in a way, it's like nothing, uh nothing new. Obviously this, uh, material is harder. And yes, some days after interviews from these book tours, I'm just completely drained and I, and I really can't even talk anymore. And then sometimes I'm okay. Um, but I think a beautiful thing about this book and another reason why I'm so glad I did it is because, you know, people will keep talking about Nick Cordero and that's how you keep somebody alive. You keep his memory alive by, by doing something like this that continues to, um, reach people and continue to who's Nick. Well, I'll listen to Mm -hmm. his music and then that keeps his music alive. And, um, and so I, I love that idea of it. It keeps him alive.
1: I love that too. It's so interesting when I was reading it, I was struck by, we've all just endured a historic event, right? It's like when you read someone's story about 9/11 or world war 2 or world war 1 like people are going to refer to this book to understand what the experience of covid-19 was and they're going to understand what it was through Nick's story which is you know incredibly powerful that you've you've left that for him i was thinking about it like it, with my kids they're gonna remember wearing a mask, whatever, maybe to school, maybe, who knows? Mm-hmm. Right? They're gonna remember that we were in our house, but they're not gonna understand. And 20 years from now, I'm gonna be like, read this book. This is mm-hmm. what was going on when you had to wear a mask to school. This is this was that when you were talking about the fear and how no one left their house and things like that. You know, those personal stories of global and historical events live on forever and forever. I think Nick will be a real benchmark of this time, you know?
2: Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. Isn't it crazy how even just, uh, we forget even like how different our world was a year ago. Like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just even a year ago, we were still really not going anywhere. Things really weren't opening. Um, Everybody was still very scared. And um, maybe we just started cleaning our groceries because we learned that that's safe. We don't, our groceries, you know what I mean? Like we do, we forget very quickly. And I think even, you know, maybe back in the day, like world war II era, depression era, we, we wouldn't forget as easy as we do now, but our lives go back so quickly, you know, and we forget how scared we were and how for the first time in the, in the, in modern history, everything stopped and we were all on the same page. And, and I don't know, it's, that's, it, it still boggles my mind to think about that, how, how fast we've moved forward.
0: Yeah. So, no, it's wild. And if you were in New York city, I'm sure LA might be this way too, but it's like coming back to New York from being in California was like, Oh, did that happen? Like, it almost mm-hmm. feels like a dream. It's like, did I really live in La Jolla for a year? Cause here yeah. in New York, it's like, People are out, they're eating, no mass. They're just like living their lives. And it's crazy how quickly we stepped right back into it. And and it's almost like it it was a dream or like a glitch in the matrix, you know?
2: No, guys, sometimes like I still can't believe that what happened to me happened. I say it all the time, actually. And um, there's a lot of times where I still feel just like that Nick is going to walk through the door because he's been gone doing a show. And it's been, you know, like, six weeks in La Jolla, you know what I mean? Like, and because I feel like Elvis and I talk about Nick all the time and I talk about Dada and, you know, we kiss him a good night every night. And like, I feel like even if you walked in the door, Elvis would just run up to him and be like, Dada. Like, that's how, like, it just doesn't feel real. Like it doesn't, nothing feels real about the whole thing. And I lived through it. I know it's real, but it doesn't feel real.
0: Yeah, well, I think probably, you know, there was just so much, it was so, all of it was out of was abnormal, right? Yeah. Nick getting sick, any you know, Nick alone getting sick, regardless of what it was, and going and being in the hospital in the ICU, and then combine that with the lockdown, and it was the beginning, and no one knew what was going on. I mean, it's just, um, I I remember. I, I don't think you're aware. Maybe Quinn told you, but Quinn was giving us updates from Preston, so that Eric and I knew, and like. Um, throughout the time and singing at three o'clock, live your life. You know, I mean, there are things you talk about in the book, how your dad said, there's a miracle every day, Amanda, like Mm -hmm. every day that Nick is here past April 1st or April 10th or whenever that was like, that is a miracle. And, and at the end you say, you know, your friend says, maybe people wouldn't have known if he had, if the story had ended that day. They wouldn't know live your life. They wouldn't know who Nick Cordero was to the degree mm-hmm. that they do. It would be a completely different place that you were in, and Elvis, and and you know, I, I know you are a believer, and you are a Christian, and your faith is so important to you. And I, and I wonder, it was tested. I mean, I, I can imagine that it's been tested greatly for you. And how have you been able to? work through it. I mean, I was raised in a, in a Southern Baptist household, which is like mm. a whole nother thing, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but for sure, like I, I pray and I talk to God and I, and, and these moments, the, this is one of those moments where you ask why, you know, and I just, I, I am so in awe of the faith you have and the way you've persevered through this. I mean, I, I, like you said, there's, you have to, there's Elvis, but, um, how have you how have you wrapped your brain around that or worked your way through it or maybe you still are?
2: Well, you know, I I do I look back at like the ups and downs of my life, even just from like being you know like a young you know young girl. And for some reason I can like literally say that whenever anything gets like really, really bad, going through my divorce, um, even just like guys, if you open up my Bible, there's this verse that I say and I have every audition that I've ever gone to next to this verse because before I would leave the house, I would say this verse so that I wouldn't like be scared and I would go into the audition feeling like strong and like God's got me. Like it's it's there. So like I do feel like when like going gets tough, that's like when I really buckle down in my faith um Yes, it was tested. Oh my God. There were days where I would like, you know, not scream to my mom and dad, but in a way scream to my mom and dad, being like, okay, God's always like, bring people together. And the more people that pray, the more I'll hear you. I have literally the whole world <laughs> praying. No one's hearing me. Like he just keeps getting worse and like I'm not happy about it. I'm really mad. And, you know, and of course I would say all of those things, you know. Um but I will say what's crazy you guys. And, and, you know, I don't know, but, um, you know, Nick was not a believer. I I talk about this in the book. We, we had very different beliefs in religion and, and I don't even really, I don't know if I was ever certain on what Nick believed. I don't even know if he was certain on what he believed, but, um, you know, when, when everything got really bad, when he died and then, uh, and then there were a couple other times where the doctors were like, there's nothing else we can do. And I would sit and I would pray by him and I would play Aretha Franklin's Amazing Grace because that 10 minute Amazing Grace is literally like you've just taken yourself to church. Yeah, Listen good. to it. It's amazing. <laughs> like you really feel like every all the angels and saints are with you. You're like, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I felt like he was having he was having like an internal battle conversation. There was like, I don't know, all I can explain it is that there was a very crazy, weird bond I felt between like Nick and God and me and um, figuring it out, the three of us. And, And I think Nick, you know, Nick loved to learn. He loved to have conversations. He loved to listen. And I was dying for him to wake up and be able to talk because I just felt like, Sitting by him in the hospital every day, I felt like he was talking to God and he was having some really good chats and I just wanted him to wake up so I could be like, what have you learned? Tell me everything. Because he like technically died like four times. And, you know, you, of course, I was like deep diving into people that have died and come back and, you know, all these stories and and talking to people and, and hearing their stories from being in a coma. What did you experience? What did you hear? Were you hearing voices? Did you see the light? Um, so I had all these different sidebar conversations with people as he was in this coma. And so I was just like, I couldn't wait for him to wake up and talk. And, um, I never got that, but I felt it. I felt it. It was very crazy. So long story short, I don't know how to explain it, but I actually got stronger and felt stronger in my faith, even though I was mad at times and, and felt like, how can this be happening? And this isn't fair. I did get, it's like, was, it was stronger.
0: Well, I think, you know, it's, it's incredible what seeing you go through this. And I know, you know, you didn't start out sharing, thinking it was going to end the way it did. Um, but, and I think for so many, and you say this in the book, so many of us felt like, well, he didn't come this far to have it be, you know what I mean? That was, that was the thing that was just like, well, wait, you know, we didn't come this far. And, um to have that happen. And I say we, I mean, he wasn't ours, you know, but he was ours. Like the Broadway <laughs> community, you know, it's, everyone loved Nick Cordero. Like that's the thing you t- you know, he was light also, just as your positivity and light. Nick was such an incredible presence and person and a story that I always share. And I'd like to share with you because I don't think I have. Is Please. that when I did the, we didn't do the reading of bullets together, did we? I don't think so. i I did the first one first two
2: I did the second one so then we did the second one together
0: (laughs) we Ah. might have we might have
2: it was when Nick was in it yeah yes then I was there
0: you were there hilarious (laughs) (laughs) that's what there's just so many things right you like see people passing and then you do these readings for a week or whatever anyway so but I I will
2: remember this now I will I will I feel like I remember this now but go ahead no, so yeah,
0: me and Jimmy Moy sat behind Betsy and Zach because we did that first scene with them. That was what I did. So yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I do remember now. <laughs> so Nick, what was interesting to me, and I've shared this with people, he was the only principal that talked to me all week long. Hmm. All week long, like it was the most odd thing. Like Zach and Betsy were doing their thing, and it was Zach's first time doing it. Like everybody was, you know, it's all. Crazy in that time anyway, but I just noticed that he was the only person who was doing a role who, like, came to the other side. Do you know what I mean? Who came mm. over to the ensemble and would check in. How are you doing? And he had just gone on in Rock of Ages or just taken over or something. Like, he was mm. so he was sort of like flying high. But I just remember that that was before I actually knew him. But he was so kind in that way, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I Aww. think with the Broadway community, you know, it, it was. Word spreads fast, no matter what, right? In all the ways. Mm -hmm. And um, and we we hope and I, you know, I know you say it in the book, but you know, I we were all so there with you guys. I mean, I know we can't ever have gone through it and know what it was, but there was so much love coming your way. And I think that I know, as people have said, like he was, I don't want to say an example, but you know, it's like he he was everyone was looking to him and to you yeah. guys, you know, and, um, cause everyone feels like they know each other. <laughs> yeah. I know so-and-so and you're like, you don't actually know that person. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? But, um, but the Broadway community just meant it, it was anything we could do. And I say this, I know that Eric would want me to say this, but like waitress being able to record the song and working on, um, we need a miracle like that was that meant so much to them and and just no and i know you never probably felt like you were cr- truly alone you talked about that but like there was so much love coming your way and oh
2: my and- god i felt it you guys no yeah. seriously especially after leaving new york I don't know why, you know, sometimes there's such a separation between New York and L.A. It's like once you leave New York, you're like, oh, you're in L.A. now, like you don't care about New York anymore. (laughs) And um, which was not the case, of course, but like you sort of feel so far away from New York and. No, it was like, wow. I mean, I was blown away every day by the Broadway community and the people that were just reaching out and just, re- yes, cast singing his songs and the cast of Jersey Boys singing Elvis. Um, mm-hmm. You're just too good to be true. And like, I mean, just like, and my first Broadway show, Good Vibrations, like recreating a song and changing the lyrics. Like it was, it was so awesome though, because it's, like that's what's so special about broadway people though like you can't get us down like you know what i mean like we will like you can't tell us to sit at home and do nothing we're like oh yeah well we're still gonna record a song yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like we can't not help and create and support each other and um i forget i was who i was talking to but he's more film and tv and he said something like yeah there's There's a reason why you don't call it the film and TV community, because it's not a community like the Broadway community is always the Broadway community because it is such a community. And oh, my God, I felt it. And I know Nick felt it, too. I know he did. I mean, I would play him everything and show him everything in the hospital room. And and there were days that he was more alert than others. And you could just tell when he and, you know, that that kind of stuff meant the world to Nick. You know, Nick was such a friend person, such a community guy, such a collaborator. When I was showing him like what the Broadway community was like doing for him, stepping up and like comforting us. Like I knew it was keeping him going. Like it, you could just tell, I'm telling you, you know, you know, your person well enough. And you guys know this from, you know, you being married and having that relationship, you know, you know, it's like they don't have to be talking. They don't have to necessarily be even awake. You know when it's like getting to them. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I love that. You're right. You can't keep the like the Broadway community is like. <laughs> there's no
2: Broadway. That's okay. We're gonna
1: create yeah. anyway.
2: Here we <laughs> <Yeah>. go. Let's <laughs> put every video totally. out there. <laughs> So it's so true. You can't keep them down. Like no. there's a week. There's a week where we're like oh we're not doing a show. Okay, we're sad. We're binging a Netflix show, and then it's like. All right, but time to, to get to work. Yeah, but I feel <laughs> to like That like
1: sums you up, Amanda. You you can't keep you down. You are just like this indomitable spirit. I can't. I I really don't have the words for it because I am. I feel like I would have shut myself in a hole and not come out. Um, Having gone through what you've gone through, everybody deals with grief differently, and the way that you forged through it with such grace and. And there has been joy, you know, the juxtaposition of joy in your life with your son and the people that have rallied around you and, and grief. And I think that that's so powerful for people to see, right. To know that like, even though you are walking with this pain and I know it doesn't ever go away, I know it's there. There are these moments of brightness and light, um, mm-hmm. that you can have. And so what would I? we try to like ask our guests an engagement question that might, um, enlighten them as well, but what mm-hmm. would be your advice to someone dealing with intense grief? And I know that you are still very much in the midst of that. It's not, you know, and it never ends. I'm not saying that it does. Yeah. Um, but what, what would be one little piece of one little nugget from, you to say like, this is how you get through the day with some lightness and positivity.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so hard and I feel like there's no, um, it's hard to even give advice because everybody goes through their walk of grief differently. And, um, you know, I'm so type A that when Nick passed, I immediately Googled grief and the stages of grief came up, and I printed it out and I put it in my room so that I knew, like, okay, week one through three, I'm going to be feeling this, and week four through six, I'm seriously, I'm not kidding you, that's what I did. And then I realized, like, that that wasn't how I was feeling. What I started to do and what I continue to do every day is just find. This was very helpful in the beginning. Uh, Two weeks after he passed, we went to Ohio and I made it my challenge while I was in Ohio to do one thing a day that made me happy, just one. And maybe there were five that day or maybe it was just that one, but I did one thing a day that would make me happy, whether it was watching a dumb show or cooking a, you know, baking a cake or going for a walk in my old neighborhood and just, you know, looking at the old houses. It was whatever made me happy that day is what I did. And then ironically read a quote like later, cause you know, I'm a big quote girl. <laughs> this one quote about, um, if you find one flower a day at the end of the week, you have a, a beautiful bouquet. And it's so true. And it's just literally about finding those things you can be grateful for. And I know it might sound, you know, like, I don't know that, you know, uh, not dumb. That's not the word I'm looking for, but it's not, you know what I mean? That Because that one thing can then lead to another thing, or maybe it's just that one thing, but at least it's one thing that you did, you know? And then the other thing I will say is what keeps me going, even in like those literally hardest of days is and i think this is actually good advice to tell a grieving person because it's just so awful what can how how loss can be so unexplainable is i think about nick and i think about what would he want me to be doing would he want me to be happy yes would he want me to keep working yes would he want me to be strong for elvis yes would he want me to find love again yes would he want me to thrive and be successful yes Do you know what I mean? So I, I, that's kind of how I get myself out of a hole and, you know, whether you've lost a a parent or God forbid a child, if you think about that, what would that person want for me? It helps you through those times where you're literally just wanting to do nothing, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I think
1: regardless of grief, you're viewpoint of life is just so powerful. and the message of live your life, move your body because you can. I, I'm a personal trainer and I, I tell my clients that all the time. I'm like move your you can move your body today, move it. And also you move your body so you can keep moving your body every day that you're alive. you know um, And I just think that the what you put out into the world is so tangible. Amanda, it's this thing that people can hang their hats on and say like, mm. "I did I get my good thing for today? Did I do my good thing for myself? Do I? What's my positive outlook for the day? Did I move my body because I can move my body? Like they are things that people can do for themselves that have such a positive impact. And no matter the journey that has gotten you here, I mean, I this is just who you are. It's who you are. I've known you for so long, but I feel like I don't to have endured what you, what you have endured and to have maintained that part of yourself and even made it grow is just so incredible. So I, I'm saying, thank you. I watch your stories every day and I gain such not only perspective on where I am in my moments of my life, but joy and positivity and inspiration. And uh, it's just incredible. And you're having Nick's memory live on forever. And it's, I just think you're amazing,
2: Amanda. Oh, thank you. And thank you I guys watch are your, amazing.
0: Well, thanks. I watch your stories every day and I also feel all those things, but then I also think, damn, how is she doing all of this? <laughs> <For sure. laughs> I just want to say you're killing it, mama. It's I like you have children. 48 hours in the day as opposed like, to everybody else
2: 24. Is That's she what doing? it feels like. <sighs> I just am very good at multitasking guys. Like, you know, I don't know. Like right now, throughout this whole zoom, I'm also filming a workout video. Like that's how I look. (laughs) I'm teasing. I'm not, but it's just with your ankles. It's just your ankles. Yeah. It's just an ankle foot, uh, you know, strengthen your ankle workout. It's already done in the bank on the app.
0: (laughs) Yeah. P.S. I was doing the AK arms the other day and Elliot came over. Yeah. Cause girl, mama has to take care of this quarantine 15, but I was doing my AK arms and Elliot came over and started doing it with me. And after like, You know, 20 seconds. She's like, Mom, this is hard. I was like, Well, girl, just keep going. I said, It's just your arms. You're not even like using any weights or anything. And and we lost her before the four minutes were out. But, you know, (laughs) but then we were walking down the street yesterday, and all of a sudden she was like, Mom, look. I'm doing those art um, workouts.
2: Oh my God. I used yeah. to copy my mom's workouts all the time. She Me would be too. in the living room doing weird leg things. Jane that Fonda. I teach. Yeah. <laughs> that is literally what my workout is. And I used to love like watching my mom work out. and even Elvis, like when I'm jumping rope, he always comes up and wants the rope. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not jumping rope right now. And then he, yeah. you know, it's so, it's so cute. It's, I think it's, It's good to be that example for your kid, you know, to move and show them, you know, that fitness is important. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy fitness. Like I used to do it just like move your body every day.
0: Yeah. Move your body. And Mm -hmm. that is, that is a lesson we can all take. And I just want to say, I said it, but you're nailing it. You have the you have the fitness app. You have the talk, you have hooray for, you have... Yes, Hooray for Gratitude is what she I love are. that one. I,
2: I know me too. Yeah, I need, I
0: just have Hooray for Women. I need to get more of them. But um, yeah, I like that one.
2: Um, you should see my closet, you guys. Because <laughs> <'cause> we obviously <laughs> get each, we get each design. And so <laughs> Anna walked into the closet the other day to buy bar, She barely brought anything from Paris. And she was like, man, you really got to get some more tops. All you have are white Hooray for shirts. <laughs> But they're cute and they're they're, so and they're simple they and Classic. they put out
0: positivity.
2: Well, what is fun is like, what am, I, what am I in the mood for today? Like when I saw gratitude, I was like, that's right. Hooray for gratitude. Or sometimes you're like, oh, hooray for sisters. That's, oh, and yeah, I'm in a sisterly mood today. So it yeah. is kind of fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us, lady. Yes. I mean, it is just like. You guys, I know- thank you. I know that it's a busy, busy time for you. And um, it was just so nice to connect. I mean, it's, you know, it's, and we feel like we, you know, you probably, your inbox is probably flooded all the time. I don't know how you do it on top of all the other things with the DMs and, and you acknowledge the love and support that you've been, that people are giving you. And that is incredible. That is, you know, this mark of an awesome, solid human being. And you're definitely thank making you. the world a brighter place. And so we just want to say thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. Yeah. It
2: was so nice to be here. I loved talking to you, mamas. Thanks.
0: Oh. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> like some mamas. <laughs> uh, nothing that,
2: like some mamas. <laughs> I agree. That, that mom boss
0: life for sure. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Take care. All right. Take Have care, a good one. Thank you thank so much. much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talkin' Loud. Special shout-outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson-Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward-Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you.
1: If you like what you're hearing and you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and of course, subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in.